Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wire podcast. Today is another midterm rental episode, and we are going to be talking out how to manage your midterm rental guest experiences so that they have the absolute best stay with you as possible. Yeah, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of how to handle a guest from when they start asking about your property to actually moving in all the way to what happens when they're living at your property. And first things first, if this is your first time joining us and you aren't even sure what a midterm rental is, we're going to give you a quick rundown of what an MTR is and what kind of guests you can expect. So simple explanation of a midterm rental is it's a furnished 30-day minimum stay or longer. And typically, Grace and I are targeting the traveling nurse professionals, although there are lots of other professionals that are using midterm rentals. We specifically usually are talking about traveling nurses. Yep. And also where you're going to find most of those traveling nurses is pretty much three key places. The first is Furnished Finder. That is literally for traveling nurses, like on their website, it literally says for traveling nurses. The second is Airbnb. You just make sure you have a 30-day minimum on your listing. And the third is there's lots of traveling nurses Facebook groups. So it's not rocket science, but we love midterm rentals. Amelia and I have like how many? 20 plus together. Yeah. 20 plus probably. So they're great tenants, great cash flow, and not that much more different than a long-term rental, which are just some of the reasons why we love them. Mm-hmm. But first things first with having your midterm rental guests have the best experience possible starts with the onboarding process and starts with your very first interaction with them on Furnish Finder or wherever you're communicating with them. So it's super important, especially on Furnish Finder when you're talking to nurses to respond promptly to their requests or if you see an inquiry come in and maybe they haven't reached out to you directly to respond to that inquiry as soon as possible. I like to reply within 24 hours because a lot of nurses, they're sending out inquiries to multiple properties. And if you can be the first to reply, you're probably going to get the first priority. And on the flip side, when I rented a midterm rental, when I moved to Tucson, because I didn't want to rent or buy without seeing the market, I sent out inquiries to like three or four properties. And pretty much the first that responded was the one that I went with. Yeah. And another thing to add to that is a lot of these travelers are getting their contracts only two to three weeks, maybe even one week ahead of time. So they need to make fast decisions about where they're going to stay. So the sooner you can get to them, the better. Grace, do you have like a message template that you have set up that you send out? Yeah. So typically I'm going to, I have a lot of midterm rental listing. So I will send them a link to all of the listings that I have on my tenant cloud website so they can see all the move-ins, all the deposit amounts, the pet rent, the actual rent amount, what it includes. And I just say, hey, here's a link to all of our midterm rentals that are available because it's easier for me to manage those on tenant cloud than it is to manage them on Furnish Finder. And especially on Furnish Finder, you can do one listing for like four, let's say a fourplex. So it's harder to differentiate the units. And then I just make sure that they see that. I let them know to apply on Tenant Cloud and tell them it takes three minutes and it costs nothing. I basically just need your information. And the application is basically you saying, yes, I want this and I will move forward with it if I'm the first in line. 
Yeah. I have a template that I actually use. And basically what it says is just the date that it's going to be available, the deposit, the rent amount, the cleaning fee that they need to pay, their pet rent if they have pets. And then I just include a couple other commonly asked questions, which are the laundry situation. So it's coin operated laundry, not laundry in individual units and parking situation. So it's free parking, lots of off street parking. There's just like you'll notice like as you're going through this process, common questions keep mm-hmm. popping up. So just make sure you're like answering those questions before they even happen. But and pictures, gr- pictures help with those too. If you put a yes. picture of the laundry and a picture of the parking, that's going to cut down a lot of questions. So that's always really helpful. Yeah. But that actually Grace mentioning that the application process is free for her brings us kind of into the next step of this onboarding process to really make the barrier to entry pretty low, especially for these traveling nurses and traveling professionals. Neither Grace nor I charge our travelers to apply for our units, unless that's changed for you, Grace, has it? That has not changed. I do not charge. I want it to be as easy as possible. Especially with more and more competition in the MTR market these days, we like to make it as easy as possible. The background check, they're already going to be able to pass a background check if they're working at a hospital as a travel nurse because they make them pass a background check. I've actually talked to somebody really recently that said they've never seen better credit scores than traveling nurses, which is funny. I mean, I'm not grouping them all together. I'm sure there are some that have bad credit scores, but like I think he said he's hosted, I don't know. 10 to 15 travelers at this point and they've all had above like 700 or 750 credit scores. So like they're just, they're good tenants. I'm not requiring that extra obstacle to jump through because I want those tenants onboarded with me as soon as possible. And I've had probably, I should count, but I would, will say I've had at least 30 midterm rental tenants. I've never had any travel nurses not pay rent. I've had a few pet, okay, that was a little bit much with the pet hair and excessive dirtiness, but I've really not had issues with communication or people paying rent when it comes to midterm rentals, which is really nice. Save time managing your rental with Hospitable. Hospitable takes the hassle out of medium and short-term rental management. Automate your most repetitive tasks and get more five-star reviews with prompt automated replies to guests. Hospitable starts from just $40 per month. Get 25% off for three months by signing up today at hospitable.com slash wire. That's hospitable.com forward slash W-I-I-R-E. Yeah, and I've had probably, I think I calculated the other day, like over 40 midterm rental tenants. I've never had one default on a payment, specifically if they were traveling nurses. None of mine have, but a lot of them are travelers. So just want to make note of that. One other thing Grace and I do to keep the barrier to entry low and streamline the onboarding process is I only charge specifically a $500 deposit to hold the unit. Grace, what are you, what is your deposit at? believe it's at $500 and the cleaning fee is $150. Some of my units that are closer to $1,700, $1,800 in rent, the deposit might be like $700, but that's absolute top. And the only reason I don't know exactly is because I don't do the management anymore. So I'd have to go back and look, which I should have, but I try to keep it super low because I just want them in the property. I want to keep my units full. And typically I've done really well with the damages and the condition that 
people leave the property in. The only issue I've really ever had is, like I just said, sometimes the pet damage can be something that I need to make sure that my cleaner looks out for and I document and take off of their deposit. Yeah. And I wouldn't say my units range from anywhere between 1200 up to 1800 per month, and I still only charge $500 deposit. I've never had to hold more than a couple hundred dollars from a deposit that was due to pets. So I've had pretty good luck there. But yeah, it's really uncommon to charge one full month's rent for these deposits for these travelers. And if you think about it from their point of view, they are traveling often. So they probably have one or two deposits tied up at a time. And that really can add up pretty quickly if you think about it, especially depending on where they're coming or going. If it's an expensive market, say they were just in California, they might have a $2,000, $3,000 deposit down. So for them to shell out another couple thousand for another deposit before they get the last one back, that's a lot. So Mm -hmm. you just have to kind of think about that. But I just want to share really quickly my exact process, like what I'm charging my tenants. So I charge them a $500 deposit immediately to hold the unit. I don't hold units for travelers without that $500 deposit. You can definitely get bit in the butt there if you hold something without money and then they decide to back out. I also charge a $100 cleaning fee that's due the day before they move in. That's what my cleaner charges me, so I'm not upcharging them at all for that. And then I also charge them prorated rent that's due the day before they move in as well. I like to do the prorated rent model for two reasons. One, it's a little bit easier for nurses. Again, they don't have to come up with that full month's rent before they've even started the position. And two, it's just easier for me for bookkeeping wise because then I don't have payments coming in all different times of the month throughout the course of the year. It comes in prorated once and then monthly recurring rent starts on the first of the month of the next month. So that's how my process goes. All right. Next part that we make it super easy to streamline is our online leases and payment options. And Grace uses Tenant Cloud. Do you want to talk about that really quick? Yeah. So like I said at the beginning, I'm almost immediately on Furnish Finder. I'm telling them to go apply on Tenant Cloud. And so all of my communication stays on Tenant Cloud. I don't text them. I don't call them because then you're juggling who's left a voicemail, who's texted, who replied on Furnish Finder, who's on Tenant Cloud. I try to be super, super strict with I talk to you on Tenant Cloud and that's it unless there's an emergency. So like Amelia said, I do a similar process. They have to pay their deposit to get the unit. I don't prorate because everything's automatic on tenant cloud. So it's just, I don't have to mark rent paid. I only allow them to pay through tenant cloud. So that's all automatic. So it doesn't really affect me. Although I do like how that does bring their cost of entry lower if you prorate it. That's definitely something to think about. But I tell them you just have to pay rent before you move in. So it needs to be cleared before I give you the code. And a few days before, I send them a message and I say, it's an automated message that basically says, hey, your move-in day is right around the corner. Here's what you need to do. Make sure you pay rent so that it's cleared, not pending, before you move in. Because I got screwed with that with a long-term tenant once who ran me through the <laughs> ringer with all these pending payments and I learned my lesson real well. So I make sure it is cleared and then I give them, I have keypads on all of my midterm rentals, I cannot imagine if I was trying to juggle keys, especially now that I'm an out-of-state investor, technically, like it's so easy to just text a contractor and say, this is the code. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how people do keys. I don't either. I've even considered changing all of my long-term rentals over. 
I started like, to. Now if I rehab a long term, there's it gets a keypad. I know. It's such it's an expense definitely up front, but I think it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. Because also like one lockout will pay for the cost of the keypads. And knowing me, I'd lock myself out during the rehab. What grace means by that is us locking ourselves out. We're not paying if a tenant locks themselves out. They are paying for that locksmith. We are not paying that for them. Want to make that clear. Yes, but I'm saying I would lock myself out and then I'd have to pay for it. Anyways, keypads. Like if there's one thing you hear from this episode, get a dang keypad. And the ones that I get are like $150. They're not a fancy Bluetooth video keypad. It's literally just a punch in. It's schlage, slage. I don't even know how to say it. I don't either, but mine's like $99. You can yeah. get them at Home Depot, Menards, or Lowe's. They don't need to be super fancy. And last thing about a keypad, the ones I get all have an admin code. So I personally only need to know one code for yeah. all my properties. So I don't have to remember the individual codes, which is huge. Anyways, where were we at? Online leasing. I just think this is super important specifically for midterm rentals because it these people are coming from out of state. They're not in town. They need to be able to do things remotely. So it's super important that you have everything set up on a property management software that they can do remotely. One thing I would add is you and I just got back from Alaska and we stayed at a short-term rental that required an in-person check-in. And we were both low-key annoyed because we'd been like traveling all day. We have to set up a time to meet them. Like we don't really want to talk. We just want to shower and like sleep. So unless it's like your personal home where you're renting a room or like maybe your mother-in-law, I would say if you can do a remote non-in-person check-in, people are going to appreciate that. Maybe it's a generational thing, probably, but yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's move on to move-in day. Again, this process of your guests having a great experience starts with onboarding, but move-in day is super-duper important as well. So they should already have the key code, obviously, before move-in, and we also send them a welcome packet or guide, which you could have printed off and included. You probably should have printed off and included just in case they lose the email or whatever else. And that's literally just going to include things like the Wi-Fi information, what day is trash day, how to handle maintenance requests, and other little things that are common questions that are going to get asked. All that should be in the welcome packet. And I have that right on the back of the front door. Yeah. And it's one page. It's simple. A few little graphics to make it more visual. Yeah. So that should be included. And then you can include a welcome gift if you really want to set, especially I think for higher end midterm rentals, this almost should be a requirement. Grace and I don't, although we do provide like all the cleaning supplies, but I almost think a welcome gift should be more than just cleaning supplies. I see a lot of people do like cleaning supplies for long-term rentals as their welcome gift. I feel like for a midterm rental, you should already be including those. So it should be something more of like, I don't know, a gift card to a local restaurant or coffee shop or I don't know, some chocolate. What would you Probably consider never alcohol? To be, what would consider to be a high-end that. midterm rental? Like what threshold? I would say anything over 2500 a month. Yeah. Yeah. And again, me and you, we run very small town, like just comfy, cozy midterm rentals. So there's really no need for us to be going and spending $25 gift card on every tenant. But yeah, if you're paying three grand for a nice luxury, I think that's definitely worth it and sets a good tone. Absolutely. But anyways, I was saying about alcohol, I probably wouldn't include a bottle of wine or alcohol because one of my previous guests... (gasps) 
apparently had an issue story. with alcohol. Yeah, which was crazy. But I actually messaged them two days before and I said, hey, the previous tenant left a full package of like seltzers or something. Let me know if you don't want them because I'll get rid of them. And he like never saw the message or didn't respond. And then I happened to see on his Facebook that he was complaining. Like he totally made up this crazy story about it. And it was so bizarre because none of that actually happened. But apparently he was in alcoholic recovery. And so he did not appreciate And was upset with you for asking that. He was upset with me, but he never actually said that to me. No, he wasn't upset with me for asking that. He literally made up a whole story that I like was super disrespectful about it. And he told me that he threw it away. And I was really mad that he threw it away, which literally none of that actually happened. It was so bizarre. He never even responded to the message about it. So anyways, so crazy. But I like to check in on my tenants on Facebook from time to time. And that was a funny little shocking story that I saw, but uh, probably would not include alcohol in your welcome gift. And then last thing that I would say to include, because these are people coming from out of the area, is some sort of a local guide. Not a necessity, but definitely super nice. Some nice restaurants, some things to do, etc. So... Yeah. And if you think about it, your goal is to get them to stay and extend their contract at your property. So for me, I'm in a smaller town in Iowa. I'm like, if they're from out of town, you really might struggle with what to do. So I want to tell you everything that you can do so that you enjoy your experience and you want to extend. That's an absolute great point. And I should probably tell you guys a story about also like first impressions. I mentioned this a few previous episodes of the one midterm rental tenant that I had that was really terrible. But basically what started it is over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And I had like four people moving in on the 4th of July. And I was honestly not very clear about my move-in instructions. And they came when my cleaner was still there. And I just basically started off the relationship relationship not being super clear and concise and didn't have a good first impression. So it went downhill real quick. They were crazy. They harassed me on social media after it and I almost had to get my lawyer involved. So definitely not 100% my fault, but I could see a different situation where if I had been super on top of things and super over communicative that maybe the relationship never would have gotten to that place. Maybe they would have loved it and never, you know, harassed me. Anyways, so that made me really reevaluate. Before that, I did not have like anything automated. I did not have templates for what I was messaging them. I was basically rewriting a welcome message to every tenant, which is the dumbest thing you can do. And I have like all the pre-written out messages of way better system. My cleaner is automated into hospitable to know when to clean things. I check in on them. But basically that was a really tough situation, but it made me realize how important that first impression is and how important it is to have a smooth move in so that they're happy and have a good attitude about you as the landlord and they're not like annoyed with you from day one, which is what happened with that tenant. So it absolutely sucked, but it definitely put a fire under my butt to make my systems a lot better. Definitely. Did you make your cleaning systems a lot better as well or talk to your cleaner? Was that that one of those tenants? That was not that tenant, but that tenant also had a lot to say about the cleaning, which I think was a little bit exaggerated. But yeah, that also included creating an actual list of what is a turnover clean versus what's a deep clean? When are you showing up? What exactly are you restocking? And just not leaving anything to opinion or emotion, like having everything written down is so important. 
Okay, so after they've moved in, the last thing that I want to say about this is you should be sending like a three or five day check-in message that just says, hey, hope you got settled in okay. Is there anything that you need from me or anything that you notice about the property that needs my attention? I think this goes a long way. I know Part of me is like, ooh, I don't want to like bring up something if, you know, nothing's the wrong. Pot. So I don't want to stir the pot or poke the bear. But like, I really do think that that's a good practice to send a check-in message just to show the tenant you're, you care and you're thinking about the property. Have you had anybody recently bring anything up? One person said that the bathroom light was like working sometimes and not working sometimes. And so it turned out, I can't even remember what kind of light, but the light had gone bad. So I had to get that replaced, but not really other than that. Yeah. What about you? I don't know because I don't do the management and my PM Jessica takes care of it. But that's a really good thing to do because again, that like maintaining a good relationship and the first impression goes a long way. And Mm -hmm. you want your goal as a landlord is to have them have a good experience because A, you're providing the product and B, you want them to stay even longer. Absolutely. Which actually brings us into the next topic, which is maintenance requests. How do you address maintenance requests? That's, I think, Mm -hmm. a question that we get asked a lot. Yeah. And first of all, all of our maintenance requests should be coming through our property management software, first and foremost. Yeah, I do not take phone calls. I do not take texts. I haven't talked to a tenant on the phone or via text for probably a a year and a half now, which is freaking amazing. I also have on that welcome guide that on the back of the door that maintenance requests go in the portal. And I always tell them, this is for your benefit so you can see exactly what it's being worked on, who's working on it, when they're coming. Because Tenant Cloud has a bunch of different things where you can put like in progress or scheduled or waiting on a part. And so that's for their benefit to make sure that we're staying on top of it. And another tip I've come to realize is if it's a maintenance request that you think seems more of a complaint, I always say, can you please clarify what you are requesting? Want to find an easier way to manage guest communication? Try Hospitable, the highest rated software in the industry. Hospitable takes the hassle out of medium and short-term rental management. Automate 90% of messages to guests, schedule team notifications so you never miss a clean, and avoid double bookings with a synchronized calendar across booking channels. Try Hospitable with a 14-day free trial and 25% off for three months by heading to hospitable.com forward slash wire or by checking out the link in the show notes. I love that mm-hmm. tip. I just had a long-term tenant send me a whole paragraph about something and I was honestly very confused. And I said, can you please clarify what it is that you are requesting? And he basically backtracked. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, okay, I think, lots of. <laughs> I think this is... There can be a fine line sometimes when it comes to maintenance requests because you're also operating a business that's hopefully profitable. So you have to determine which maintenance requests are actually requests that need addressed promptly and maybe which requests are complaints or could be, you know, put off to a later date, things like that. So that's super important. It's not rude to, you know, have somebody clarify like Grace said, because you are trying to run a profitable business. Okay. Now the tenant is going to check out. Hopefully they've had a great stay, but it's time for them to move on to their next contract or whatever. So my process is my PM, I think it's maybe five to seven days before checkout says, hey, your checkout's right around the corner. Here's what you need to do. And it just reminds them, you know, all the simple things, shut off the lights, take your groceries, don't leave anything behind. And then it also reminds them your deposit will come back within 30 days. And once it's 
it's initiated, it does take five to seven days to process because that's the number one question I get is, how long does it take to process? And in Tenant Cloud, it goes through their system. So it's not like it's an automatic next day thing. And people want to know that. So I always make sure I say that because they're going to ask. Absolutely. And the last thing to kind of wrap up the checkout procedure is to ask for a guest review. Obviously, I only ask them if they were good tenants, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they had a good experience. I mean, I'm not going out there and asking someone that maybe had a bad experience. Not that Hey, would you mind happened. ripping me apart on my Facebook review. Right, right. Actually, in Furnished Finder, you can request reviews for your property. So you just put in the guest's email and it'll send them a message that says, hey, review your stay at this property. But yeah, I think that's super important. Same thing on Airbnb. You can schedule an automated message that says review my property. But I think reviews are important and can help set your property apart from others. Absolutely. Okay. I think that wraps it up. Again, your goal is to get these midterm tenants to have an amazing experience so they extend their contract and stay with you for even longer. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.